Hello and welcome. This is Couples Counseling for Parents, a show about couple relationships, how they work, why they don't, and what you can do to fix what's broken. Here are parents. Our dad, Dr. Stephen Mitchell, and our mom, Ann Mitchell. Hello, and thanks for joining us today on Couples Counseling for Parents. I'm Dr. Stephen Mitchell. I'm Erin Mitchell. And on today's episode, we want to talk about how physical touch can become a significant area of conflict and misunderstanding for parenting couples. Um, And, you know, so what might be an example of what we're talking about here? Um, Let's let's take a little case example. So let's say we have Lisa, um, and she's been at home with the kids all day. She's been nursing, comforting the kids when they've gotten hurt, snuggling them and playing. And as the day comes to a close and it's getting time for her partner to come home, she's feeling touched out. Her partner, Banks, gets home and he's not had any affection or touch from Lisa or the kids. He moves in to hug Lisa or kiss her and she immediately says, oh my goodness, not right now. I just need some space. Banks experiences this response as uncaring, and his feelings are hurt. He says to Lisa, like, what's wrong? I haven't seen you all day. I just want to hug you. Lisa feels a little stuck. She doesn't want to feel cornered into hugging Banks, and she doesn't want to communicate that she doesn't want to touch him, but she just needs some space. Why can't he understand that this is what she needs? On the other hand, Banks doesn't want to beg to be hugged, and he doesn't want to force Lisa to hug him. Why does she have to be so cold? Why can't she see that he just wants a little bit of physical connection? I think this is really relatable. I think a lot of parenting couples, um, you know, we sort of use the stay-at-home mom, working dad example there, but I think that it transcends that. And for us personally, we're opposite. I'm definitely the more high-touch partner. Um, You are the more... Low touch. I didn't want to say it, but what, if you, you say know. it, that's different. Um, yes, I I like touch more than you. That is connective for me in a way that it is not mm-hmm. for you. Um, so, I mean, that is our example. I think it's a good one. I think it's relatable and common, but also we get that who you are in that dynamic could be. Right, could be very different. It sure. doesn't have to be um, as gender specific right. Right, right. or heteronormative as, as it sounds in the, in that case. But also we do hear about that very specific Example from from a lot of couples. Um, And and I think one of the things that we also want to clarify too is that touch, what we're we're talking about is um, just affectionate uh, things like hugs, arms around one another, holding hands, uh, kisses, those kinds of things, not just um, not sexual intimacy. Yeah, we're not being cute here trying to say touch when we really mean something else. Yeah, we mean I mean, touch. Yeah, sexual intimacy is a particular kind of touch. Um, but, but That's we're, not what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's not what we're talking right. about here. And so, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I think is important to, to note is that touch is a really foundational and fundamental need that we all have as human beings. So even though I might be a little bit you know, more of a low touch individual, it doesn't mean that I don't need touch. All human beings need touch. Sure. And part of the, where this idea comes from is. You've gone into the how touch works here. The the like how it works, like the healthy part of like why touch is a good and healthy thing for everyone, for anyone. And then we'll get into 
how it gets distorted. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's, you know, we've talked about this multiple times on, uh, the podcast, this idea of attachment theory and attachment theory talks about how we come, um, to relate and bond as human beings. And one of the key features of attachment uh, theory is this idea that we as human beings need proximity and proximity speaks to actual physical closeness. That when we are physically close with another human being, it helps us feel safe and connected. And so that's how touch functions as something that is basic to every human. So we need hugs. We need to hold hands. We need kisses. We we need to sit close to each other on the couch. We need to brush up against each other in the hallway. All of those things let us know that we are close to someone else. Well, as a parent, I feel like we all, like our babies need to lay on our chest and to hear our heartbeat and yeah. to feel our breath come in and out. Like those are the things that I can really relate yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think about like uh, one of your kids when they get hurt, what do they need? They need you to come close and to wrap them up and to hold them. Um, at nighttime, you know, they need you to hug them and kiss them and say, I love you. And, you know, all, all those or kinds of- Or as our kids have gotten older, it's like, no, I don't want to be snuggled, but you can sit near. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. And so touch is, touch is really important. So I, I think that it's, that's why it can become confusing for parenting couples, because it is a human need that everyone has. And yet the parenting context, as our case example uh, demonstrates, can, can really impact what that need for touch looks like moment to moment. And I think that, you know, this is kind of the idea of like, so how, do, how does touch become a contentious uh, point between couples. And that is as varied a conversation as each couple's history. So I think of, you know, if we just put ourselves into Lisa and Banks, you know, I'm Lisa, you're Banks there. I'm the high touch person. So you would be thinking, I'm coming home, I'm going to hug Erin because I know that's what she wants. I mean, you literally used to coach yourself when you used to work at the hospital, like, I'm going to come home, Erin would like to be touched, I'm going to touch her <laughs> on her shoulder, and she's going to like it, and that'll be good. But there were days where I was I was not wanting that. Um, I, I did get touched out. But it also is as common where Lisa is the low touch person to begin with. And so it's a perpetual feeling where she feels like, ah, I can never give Banks what he wants. He's a bottomless pit of touching need, and he wants to use my body to make him feel better. And then vice versa. I think Bank feels, Banks feels or can feel like really controlled. I don't think, I think Banks, yeah, like, as myself. Like I want to, like I want to come and I want to hug and I, it, but yet I can't. I can't do that. So I can't get what I need because Lisa's need is more important than mine. Yeah. As the high touch partner in our dynamic, I want to respect your need for, you know, a request, a verbal like, hey, would it be okay if we had a hug? Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. But also that can feel very controlling. Like and, I just want to give a hug sometimes and, and I that, not feel so charged. That place of control that pushes couples into extremes. And that's where the conflict is. Because I think what happens is... That control is mutually felt. Right. It, yes. It's mutually felt. So, you know, Lisa 
feels like, well, Banks never listens to me and he's always forcing me into, you know, some kind of physical touch. So is that and, what is that what Lisa's saying, well, Stephen? Well, no, no I, and, and this is all, you know, like just for example's sake. So what happens is she moves to an extreme where she's just any touch all the time. Every time is like, no, no, no. Just because she doesn't feel like her no has been validated or respected. And so she kind of gets pushed to the extreme of withdrawal and, and separation and no touch. Whereas, Out of a place of protection. Exa- exactly. The, right. Again, this is, this is not because people are um, trying to hurt one another's feelings. Again, it's, it's because I don't feel like my needs have been respected. And so it goes to an extreme. And for banks, it's, it's the other way. I, I think this is where people's stories come into play. So mm-hmm. we hear from couples all the time. I don't think you would feel uncomfortable with me sharing that a lot of people who have that lower touch longing come from places where their physical space wasn't respected, um, where they didn't feel like they were allowed to say no, where, you know, they were that that kid who showed up at Thanksgiving and their parents are like, yes, kiss grandma, you know, right, like we, right. Yeah. There, there's like an, a level of intrusiveness that was experienced exactly. In, over and over again comes to mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then maybe for, for those who are higher end on the, on the needing, the needing touch or, or closeness, you know, maybe the deficit there uh, for them was that they, they didn't, um, they didn't have that, and so they longed for it, or they didn't feel like they had it when they needed it, and so it feels like something that they missed. And so there's, in a sense, this this longing really, to be soothed by yeah, it, longing to, in in the extreme of that. So Banks being like, um, you know, his extreme of feeling like I never get enough touch, and so the extreme looking like a constant demand for touch and for that physical closeness. And so if you notice, Lisa and Banks are both in the extreme. Polarizing it, out of protection. And, and right. I think that's where couples really start to feel hurt because they both are invalidating the other. Yeah, We know this, we've, we've been here ourselves and we see it in couples all of the time. Yeah, because the point of conflict is why do your needs always trump my needs? Absolutely. That's what both partner ends up feeling. And then add to it, this is where I do think the parenting context layers and layers and layers of complexity because the parents are, their needs are secondary. And and that's not entirely true, but it feels like it a lot of the time where, you know, you move towards your kid or I've been a person where I'm low touch my whole life and suddenly I have a kid and I don't mind their touch. Their touch doesn't feel invasive sure. to me. And that can be really confusing or um, or opposite. Like I've been like, I love touch. I love touch. And suddenly it's like, I've touched all day long. Yeah, like yeah. someone That's, has touched me all day long. And, that, and you mentioned that that is always surprising to me when you do, when you're in a place where you're touched out. I'm like, I didn't know that I could. I didn't that. know that that was possible. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's um, confusing. And, and then for you, it, it has been surprising at times when maybe I've been like super affectionate with the kids and don't feel don't feel that that dynamic of control in their desire for touch, and and it it is confusing. Absolutely. And then and then so you're you're a parenting couple, and you're seeing your partner do the thing that you wish. They could they, do with you. They could do with you and they don't. And then it and then, you know, you you get angry, but then also you might get into places of like, oh, you know, maybe we don't 
Maybe we're not right for each other anymore. Maybe they just don't want to be close to me or, you know, whatever it might be. I think that's exactly what it is, that your need becomes personal when when you withdraw from touch. Because really, if I'm looking at it from, you know, an observer's perspective, I can see Stephen's just needing time to Stephen right now. He just needs to collect himself. He needs time to remember that he is a person all into his own. But what it feels like is Stephen doesn't want to be close with me. He doesn't want to give me what I need. He doesn't. He doesn't want me. Sure. Um, and vice. And, and then vi- vice mm-hmm. versa. For me, it's this feeling that you know, Aaron wants to invade my space and and take over, in a sense. Like I don't have I don't have any room just for myself. Um, and again, that's a story, right? That that's a story of what that predates I, me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that predates Aaron. Of like that's that was my experience, but that's what it begins to feel like, and it, and it can feel um, really isolating and lonely as as well. I think the other piece, and correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, but it, what it can feel like for you, and I I think what it feels like for both partners, no matter which partner you tend to be, is you are elevating your wants and needs above mine. Yeah. Above me. Yeah. And and honestly, I think in some ways, like typically in that dynamic, someone does like, quote unquote, win more than the other. Um, I, I think that that's just kind of how it works out. I mean, I think maybe in our dynamic, the, the history has been maybe my my withdrawal has won more than your. I think that's fairly common. You yeah. know, connection or closeness in that way. Because I don't, I think in most healthy relationships, and and that's what we're talking about. Like this is a healthy relationship um, where there is still this conversation and this conflict. I don't want to force my wants on you. So I think the person with the lower need does quote unquote win. But either way, I think resentment builds both ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mo- most certainly. Most certainly. And so what what happens is we're in a stuck place. Lisa and Banks both have kind of gone to their corners, gone to the extremes. And then the, the question is, so what, so what do you do? Um, you know, how do you, how do you navigate um, this? I mean, this common everyday scenario between partners where, you know, one's maybe at home and one's coming home and, and, and the, the idea of touch becomes a barrier. Um, well, I think it's, you know, sometimes the simplest things are the hardest. I think this might be one of those scenarios because I think you have to have this conversation ongoing because as is yeah. true with most things in a couple relationship, I think it changes. So one day I do feel touched out. The next day I wish you would have come in and hugged me. The next day you tried and right. I'm like, ew. You know, it's just like, oh my. Um, but I do think that idea of understanding what touch meant to us forever, like in our historical stories and our families of origin, like knowing those places and not using them against each other, understanding them, speaking about them with compassion and curiosity, not this like, well, it's not my fault. You grew up in a home where your personal boundaries were invaded. Like, that's not me. You need to get over that. That's, that's not fair. That's not kind. That that's really hurtful actually. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so first of all, you have to realize touch is important. Just, sure. just what, so, so it's something that has to be addressed because it's to important. everybody, everybody a- has everybody. a story about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have to understand, okay, so what are the stories that like inform the way I feel about touch? We we've addressed that a little bit. And then with that knowledge, that interaction between banks 
and Lisa can look a little different. But then I think you have to go into how parenting may have shifted that or or is shaping that or complicates it. Sure, sure. I mean, I think that that is always part of the conversation, but that's also like really unique to, to each couple and to Absolutely. each day, you yeah. know, each day. And For sure. So, but I do think it's part of the ongoing process of, so right. what did it mean? What does sure. it mean now? Sure. So, so something, you know, so maybe practically this is uh, what this could look like. So let's say um, Banks and Lisa, um, because of this interaction, they decided, you know what, we need to do a little work. We we need to we kind of need to explore um, what's going on here because we're tired of having this same old conflict. And so, um, you know, maybe they you know listen to this podcast or you know maybe they um, grab one of our courses and and work through it. Whatever, whatever it might be, and they they kind of come to understand like, oh, this is what touch means. So this is what this conversation could look like with that awareness. So let's say. Um, Banks comes home, and what he could lead with in terms of interacting with Lisa is something like, "You know what? Hey, I'm wanting you know to to hug you right now and connect with you, but I also know that oftentimes at the end of the day, you're not feeling like being touched. I get that. Is there a different way we could connect right now?" Or maybe a way that we could connect later um, where we could have some physical contact or touch, something like that. I think what's important about that is that I think the, the, the reason that conversation, like the very first, like the case study you brought up is Lisa's um, sort of recoiling at Banks's movement towards right. is personal. To both of them. Sure. She feels like he is invading her space and not asking. And he feels like you're- He reco- is being rejected. Yeah, you're recoiling from my touch. Right. Like, I, I think I've been today's conversation already. I think I was like, ew. You know, like, sometimes it does feel so like, this is violating. Yes, it's a simple touch, but like, this is my body and it has not been mine all day long. But in this case, Banks is making an effort to yes. not have it be personal. He's saying, I understand well, he's your also need. Expre- and he's also expressing his want. Right. I want to connect with you. The way I'm thinking right. of doing that would be a touch. I don't think that's what you want. What would be connective for you right now? I right. just think that's really respectful mutually because he's not denying his longing for connection. And he's also not dismissing her, that she might have uh her own way of wanting to go about that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. And so, and so what if, so, you know, what if, you know, so Banks, um, you know, maybe he doesn't say that, maybe he comes home and he moves in for a, for a hug um, with Lisa. And maybe Lisa says something like, Hey, you know, I, I, I know you want to hug right now. I, I know it might sound a little crazy or weird, but I, I just have felt like my body all day has been for someone else you know, for, for like what the kids are needing or, or whatever it might be. And, and I just want a little space. I want to maybe take a bath or do something for myself. Uh, but, but it's not because I don't want to touch you or I don't want to be close. It's just, I, I'm feeling a little like physically overwhelmed right now. Can I take some space and then, you know, we can sit on the couch, uh, we can hold hands, we can, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but, but even in that, again, what she's doing is she is trying to 
communicate her need, and then also communicate to banks like, hey, it's not personal. Well, it's not that I don't want to connect with you. I need to connect with me. I yeah. think I think though that you in your script you just said right there, you um, unintentionally revealed a little bit about something about what that does feel like for the low touch person. You said this might sound crazy or weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It shouldn't. It isn't. You are allowed to not want touch. You are allowed to feel like your body is allowed to feel like your right. own. You- and you're allowed and you are allowed to want touch. I, I, again, like these these are But I do think it's the narratives that get played out. That sure, it's sure. you're supposed to want touch. You're supposed to that that somehow this touch conversation is like a natural and um it has better flow that like me wanting touch isn't gross like no one wants to feel like that and no one wants to feel like me not wanting touch makes me like a cold person sure like a robot yeah. or, or something like that yeah sure. but i do think those are delicate places because someone who says hey i don't want that right now isn't crazy or weird and someone who is saying i'd really love a hug isn't crazy or right. weird. Right. They're not needy. They're not, you yes. know, weak or, or whatever it might be. It's just a conversation where what do we want touch to look like for us? How can we neither want or how can we both stop feeling controlled? How can right. we stop how polarizing can we come out of our other? corners? Yes. Is the thing. And 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 I think that, that is that's the the crucial point in this whole touch conversation. Couples get pushed into opposite corners. Into protective places. Understandably. Yes. Based on the stories and what touch means. And for couples to move out of those corners, they need to be able to f- understand their own um, story about touch. They need to under, you know, be curious about their partner's um, story about touch and then be able to communicate their needs. Wants and needs. And acknowledge their partners. And both of those scripts, both Lisa and Banks, acknowledge the other's need. And in both... Lisa and Banks, I mean, we've worked with enough of these couples and we are this couple in some ways. It's not that we don't want each other. We want freedom of expression. Most of the couples, man, I want to say all of them, um, but most couples long for freedom of expression for both partners. Like They're not trying to push their partner into that corner um, and make that blame, shame, defensive. Like, you make me this way. You violate me. You deny me. You abandon me. You reject me. That's not what anyone's looking for. So what do we want? How can we have more freedom in our touch conversation and in our touch? Yeah. And so it starts with understanding that touch is important. Um, It starts with trying to understand, you know, are you a high touch, low touch person? Like, like what, what is that story for you? And we, we recently sort of polled our community. Um, Most people change. Throughout a day, like, you know, sort of like I wake up more high touch and by the end of the day, I'm pretty low touch. So I I think understanding that about their partner. Yeah. And yourself. So understanding that about yourself and your partner and then not taking it personally, but rather expressing your need and acknowledging your partner's need as it relates to touch in these Moment to moment, day to day conversations about projecting, right? So, I mean, you mentioned earlier your story about like touch was experienced as violation. Right. Well, if you aren't aware of that, you start saying you violate me. Right. And honestly, sometimes I have violated you, but also sometimes I haven't. And you're experiencing it that way through your story and vice versa. I experience like that rejection 
because I I tend, because of my story, to experience that rejection. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you have straight up rejected me, and other times you haven't. And so, and I think a, I think a, a good indicator that, huh, we might need to pause. We might need to we might need to think about this area of touch and what it means for us is when one or both of you are feeling controlled by the other one when it comes to touch. Sure. And I think what that means is is not that your partner is trying to control you. It may be controlling what's happening, but I think that that is just simply an, an indication that there is some misunderstanding about touch in your relationship. And there is a way there is a way for it to be different. There is a way for y'all to have a different interaction around how touch functions in your relationship, but you, you have to, you have to get into it, explore it, do the work, do the work, not take it personally, and then communicate your needs and validate your partner's needs when it comes to touch as well. Yes. It's absolutely work worth doing. Are you wanting to understand the stories that inform your view of touch in your couple relationship? Our Create Your Couple Story course is a perfect tool to help you and your partner understand how to communicate effectively about touch. You can find the course in our LinkedIn bio at Couples Counseling for Parents or on our website at createyourcouplestory.com. Today's show was produced by Stephen and Aaron Mitchell. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a rating. This will help others find our content more readily. And as always, we're grateful for you listening. Thanks so much for being with us here today on Couples Counseling for Parents. And remember, working on a healthy couple relationship is good parenting.